This is an ABC podcast. Hello, Mum. Hello, darling. Good to see you. It's lovely to see you too. I'm looking forward to our luncheon and I'm particularly looking forward to a little glass or two of wine. Should we get a bottle? What should we get? Let's get a bottle. Pinot Noir is what I'd like to try today, but I'm open to suggestions because I love all wine. (laughs) It's true. Okay, I'll go to the bar. Back in a tick. Hi, what can I get you? Hi, do you have any organic wines that are biodynamically grown, that are vegan, have zero food miles and are carbon neutral? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, all right. Well, maybe I'll just get a Pinot Noir. Not a problem. So, Leela, what's your top tip for drinking green anyway? If you're at a bar and they've got wines on tap, I'd go with that because there's less waste, less packaging and the quality is just as good. I'm Fee Pool and I'm learning to live a little greener. This is Little Green Pod. I know, I know, I sound like that annoying customer, but I'm on this mission to live a little greener and so I guess that should probably apply to booze, right? Well, let's give our poor waitress, Leela, a break and we'll get some help from Claire Birder. Claire's a hip Melbourneian alcohol educator and wine producer. Hashtag dream job. And she's going to teach us how to drink green by talking through things like grog miles, refrigeration, water use and organic production methods. One of the ways we can look at it is by inputs and outputs. And so inputs is our water footprint, essentially. So the water used to produce these products and then the outputs we often would measure in carbon emissions. So for wine, about 50% of the carbon emissions are created through packaging and transport and 50% are created through the growing and the production. When you're standing at the bottle shop, you can't really make a decision on how someone has produced their wine and how they've grown it, but you can perhaps start to think about where that product came from. So food miles is a really easy way to start to think about, you know, how you might reduce your impact, except there's a little bit of a caveat here because if a wine came from France on a ship, it's actually got lower food miles than if it came from a truck from WA. Wow. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, we can't just put a line underneath it and say, if it's Australian, it's going to be better than if it's imported. So that's a really tricky thing. Having said that, if we reduce our parameters down to nationally made products, so Australian made wine, you know, the major wine regions. Just um, just Does that mean all New Zealand Sav Blancs are out? I think a lot of them come by ship. Mm, Okay, good. It's still in. It's still in. (laughs) So I called New Zealand wine growers to find out for sure. They confirmed that 99% of their products exported to Australia are sent by boat. Woohoo! What about whites versus reds? The ideas here are around refrigeration. So with white wine through the whole process, we need to, generally speaking, keep the wine very cold. And we need to keep it cold because the chemistry of wine fermentation determines that nice aromatics are retained when the process is kept colder. Often they're in a lighter bottle, as in the actual weight of the glass. So normally our big, heavy bottles are reserved for big red wines. 
So I think that's a good thing. We're starting to see some eco-friendly glass. So a bottle that might weigh, you know, 350 grams as opposed to one kilo for a premium red wine. So generally speaking, I can't see a huge amount of difference buying red wine to white wine or rosé. Sure, glass is recyclable, but lots end up in landfill and it takes between 400 and 1 million years for a wine bottle to break down. Glass shards from ancient Egypt still exist today. <laughs> Unbelievable. Can't we put it in something else instead of wine bottles? What about those casts years ago I used to drink? And wine in kegs, are we going to see more of that? Yeah, absolutely. So this is um, one of the really exciting areas for the Australian wine industry where we're seeing high-quality producers seek out customers who want their wine in kegs. So on average, one keg saves 66 bottles and, you know, obviously we're not seeing any wastage, anything like that. So it's really positive and it used to be reserved for terrible wine and now it's reserved mostly for pretty good wine. Did you just give me permission to buy a keg of wine? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty efficient. (laughs) So does it need to be organic? When it's certified organic, it has, generally speaking, lower sulphur than a commercial wine in terms of the additive added in the winemaking process, but it also means that there's no chemical inputs in the vineyard. So... From your Friday night shopping expedition, I would definitely recommend seeking out organic wines because I think they're better for the world because we're leaving these agricultural practices, we're thinking about the future, so we're not just taking everything we can get in terms of the soil nutrient, the soil profile and sapping it for everything it's worth. We're actually thinking about what's going to happen in the future in the next generation. All in all... I think it's an excellent thing to pursue. What about beer? Because what we see now on the market is a lot of German beers uh, in a very like lower price point as well. Beer is the worst. (laughs) From my research, it's terrible mostly because it uses a lot of water. So I, I found a couple of statistics saying that the amount of beer that leaves the factory Uh, five to ten times that in volume was the water usage. So the water is one thing. Then we've got individual packaging. So a glass bottle for beer holds 375 mil or sometimes 500 mil. It's per volume of liquid. It's a lot of glass. So it's a little bit more than a wine bottle. What about bottle versus can? Cans are better across the board. So a can has a lower weight, so it's easier to freight. And cans are readily recyclable. So a beer in a can from a craft brewery in a local region is probably the best option. They're the assumptions we can make from a consumer perspective. If you dig into it, you're probably going to find some issues around where is their grain sourced from. So if you're a craft brewery in Sydney and you're sourcing your grain from Western Australia or you're sourcing your grain from an imported source, then you've got to start thinking about, well, what is the origin of this product? So if you want to get into technicalities, that's probably where you would end up. 
Did you know that breweries have a lot of grain left over once the beer is made, but it doesn't have to go to waste. It can be fed to farm animals, dried and turned into flour for baking, compost or even used in alternative fuels. I also quite enjoy a vodka and soda. My husband enjoys a whiskey. Is there any difference there? So I was at a distillery last week. So whiskey, for example, starts off as beer. So it's distilled beer. So we make a what they call a wash, which has, you know, low alcohol. We put that through the still. That's your first distillation. That gets you to about 25% alcohol. That's called the low wine. And then you put it through the still again, and that's what gets you your clean spirit, of which you can use about 80%, 70% if you're, you know, high quality. The issue with that is that with 1,500 litres of beer, you might end up with about four to 500 litres of spirit, and that goes into barrels to age, and then it keeps evaporating <laughs> once it's in the barrel. So you end up with maybe 300 litres from your 1,500 litres of beer, and to create that 1,500 litres of beer, you needed an extraordinary amount of water to keep that equipment clean, to actually feed the fermentation and to keep the production moving. The two good things are they don't require refrigeration during their production or their storage, and also we tend to have less of them. So per drink... But as we tend to drink a bottle of wine between two people, we might tend to have two drinks each of spirits. All right, let's do your top three tips for people that are at the bottle shop or bar wanting to make a greener choice. So for me, the top three things you can do is to overall drink less and drink better. So cut out any of that really low quality, cheap alcohol that probably is going to make you feel a bit sick because we tend to drink more of it when it's cheap, but also it's likely been made in an industrial fashion. The second one is to buy local wherever possible. And the third one is to look at the packaging. So, you know, can you deal with wine in a can? If you're at a bar, is there wine on tap? And, you know, things like lighter bottles and different approaches I think are really important and not to assume that if something is in a heavy bottle that it's going to be better quality. Ladies, here we go. I've got our bottle of wine. And it's a Pinot Noir, Kerry. (gasps) Kerry, it's organic. Oh, fabulous. Fee, I feel like I'm saving the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Drinking organic, locally grown wine. Hmm. It's not the toughest eco tip I've had to take on, but you know what? I'll do it for the sake of the planet. (laughs) And I want to see how you're drinking green too. Go on, snap your cocktail or your craft beer, share it on your social media of choice, hashtag it, Little Green Pod. And remember, you can hear more episodes of Little Green Pod for free on ABC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Little Green Pod is an ABC Audio Studios and ABC Regional and Local production. It's presented by me, Fee Poole. It's produced by Samantha Turnbull. Audio engineer is Simon Branthwaite. And executive producers are Liz Keane and Rachel Fountain. Listener.